Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else. And it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash. And they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back, no questions asked. So head to BolinBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code RESTFUL15. That's B-O-L-L-N Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Recorded live. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Back at the top of the hour for more gospel inspiration of music. Coming up, a message from Dr. Billy Graham, Death and Resurrection of Christ. It's coming up next here on the early morning gospel program. More inspirations to talk to you and Have you ever wondered why God allows evil? I'm certain we all have. And Mr. Graham speaks on this subject in a message that was delivered at the Baton Rouge, Louisiana Crusade during October 1970. 
Now, I want you to turn with me for this message today to the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. The 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And if you have a Bible, you turn with me to this passage of Scripture. Beginning at about the middle of verse 36, Jesus has told them a parable. He told the disciples a little story about a man that went out and sowed some seed. And then while the man and the others were sleeping, an enemy came and sowed some tares, weeds, and they grew. The good seed and the bad seed grew together, and you couldn't tell the difference. Till the harvest. And the disciples were fascinated by this little story. And they say, Master, tell us the meaning of this story. What does it really mean? And Jesus answers them this word. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. In other words, he himself is the sower. The field is the world. The whole world is where Jesus is sowing his seed. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. You and I that know Christ are the good seed. But the tares are the children of the wicked ones. Jesus indicates that you can be children of God, but you can also be children of the devil. And every person in this audience is divided into two classes according to the Bible. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You're either saved or you're lost. God doesn't look at the color of our skin. God doesn't look at our social standing. God doesn't look at our bank account. He looks on the heart and he sees only two classes of people in the world. The enemy that sows them is the devil. Now listen, the harvest, the harvest is the end of the world. Now that word world is cosmos, meaning world system. There's a world system controlled, organized, energized by the devil. He's the prince and power of the cosmos. He's the god of the cosmos. The Bible teaches there is a supernatural system of evil in the world. There is also a supernatural system of good in the world controlled by God. But the Bible says there's going to come an end to the cosmos. Not an end to the earth, not an end to the human race, but an end to the cosmos that is controlled and energized by the devil. And the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares that gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world, said Jesus. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. What does that mean? If you have ears to hear, let him hear. There are some people that are absolutely blinded 
There are other people that are spiritually deaf. You can hear my voice, but you cannot hear the voice of God. And none of this makes sense to you. It doesn't fit into your philosophy. It doesn't fit into your thinking. It's all a lot of ridiculous foolishness and nonsense to you. Because Jesus said you have to have your ears especially attuned to the voice of the Spirit of God to understand this. That's the reason a lot of people don't believe in the coming again of Christ. They cannot believe it. And yet it's mentioned in the Bible 318 times in the New Testament alone that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth again. Now, when Jesus tells a story like this, he's using it to tell a spiritual truth. And he says that these little stories that he tells in this chapter are mysteries of the kingdom. There's the mystery of the wisdom of God we read in the Bible. There's the mystery of iniquity. Why does God allow evil to flourish? That's a mystery in the Bible. There's the mystery of the incarnation, 1 Timothy 3.16. There's the mystery of the church. We can't understand the church, how it's going to be married to Christ. The church is the bride, the true church. Someone asked a friend of mine, how do you like your new church? He was pastor of one of the leading churches in the South. Well, he said, I don't know. I haven't found the church yet. What did he mean? He meant the church within the church. In every church in Baton Rouge, in every church in America, there's the church within the church. The true church within what we call the organized church. There are true believers that know Christ in nearly every church. But there may be some churches in which there wouldn't be a person that really knows Christ, but they're members like they'd be members of the country club or they'd be members of some other organization. You can be a member of the church and not know Christ in your heart, as Andy was talking about a few moments ago. There's the mystery of the rapture. The scripture says that one of these days, Christ is going to come in the air. There's going to be a resurrection from the dead. And all of those that have known Christ are going to be raised from the dead. And those that are alive at his coming that know him are going to be caught in the air to be forever with the Lord. Now, the Bible teaches that, and Paul said it's a mystery. So this little story was a mystery. And Jesus was telling us what he meant by this particular mystery. Now, the owner goes out to sow wheat. And while the people are sleeping... The devil comes along and sows the tares. Now, the tares that were sown were imitations of the true wheat. You couldn't tell the difference. It was an exact copy, so much so that even the disciples could not tell the difference. And, you know, every time we go out to preach the gospel, we are sowing the wheat. We are sowing the good seed. We've come to Baton Rouge and to Louisiana to sow the seed. That's all I am. I'm a farmer. Sowing spiritual seed. Just a plain, ordinary farmer. It's God's job to bring forth the harvest. Now, we have been sowing here in Baton Rouge. There's going to be another enemy come along, an enemy, and he's going to start sowing. The moment this crusade is finished, the enemy will start sowing. Discord, jealousy, 
problem will crop up here and there. Some of the people that you thought were the best Christians will disappoint you. Because when the real crucial tests of life come, they'll fail because they were imitation. But don't let that discourage you because Jesus taught it. And the parable that's right across the page, or right on the next page, of the net that was cast into the sea. The sea is the world, and the net is cast, the gospel net, and you get good fish and bad fish. And that's true in every church. You have good fish and bad fish, good deacons and bad deacons, good Sunday school teachers and bad Sunday school teachers, good members and bad members. You haul them all in. And sometimes it takes years to tell the difference. And ultimately and finally, only God can tell the difference. And the Bible says the angels from heaven are going to intervene and throw out the bad fish and keep the good fish. There's going to come a day when the angels are going to reap the harvest. And that is what Jesus talks about at the end of the age. Yes, the Bible has a lot to say about hypocrisy and imitation Christianity. A theater owner wrote Dear Abby a few weeks ago and said, you know, I'm sick of hypocrites. I see a lot of people come in my theater to see an X-rated movie, and they sit through it twice and then go out shaking their heads, saying how disgusted they were with it. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11, such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, fashioning themselves into apostles of Christ. For even Satan, the Apostle Paul said, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan has his ministers, Paul said, who fashion themselves into ministers of righteousness, who then shall be their work. And in this parable, Christ is warning that Satan is very real and that he has sons in his kingdom just like God has sons in his kingdom. Everywhere you turn today, there's mention of the devil. One trend watch on the West Coast concludes that Satan worship as a source of thrills and kicks will shortly replace the use of drugs in America. And the indications are certainly there. Even one of the automobile companies has announced that their new 71 model is called the Demon. And when a great automobile company calls its style setter a demon, you know the devil has to be popular. There's a new popular book out. Maybe you've seen it called Judas, My Brother. You see, Jesus warned, beware of false prophets, which will come in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Now, when the devil comes around to you, he doesn't have a big sign and say, I'm the devil, watch out. Oh, no, he comes with a big, toothy smile. He's courteous. He's not interested in the, in the, in the drunk in the ditch. He's not interested in the fellow that's gone on LSD and blown his mind. He can no longer be of any use to the devil. The devil is interested in the fine, upstanding, moral person 
who has never been born again of the Spirit of God. He looks like wheat, but actually he's a tear. And we won't know the difference till we get to the harvest. You see, Judas was treasurer of Jesus' little church. Three years, he was a model apostle. The other apostles never suspected that he was a traitor, that he was a devil. And they lived with him closely for three years. You can go to church with a person all your life, and you're going to be amazed when you get to heaven. That person won't even be there. They said, we're going to have two surprises when we get up there. We're going to be surprised at the people that are there, and we're going to be surprised at the people that didn't make it. A lot of truth in that. You see, I'm not going to heaven because I preached to a big crowd of people. I'm not going to heaven because I read the Bible every day. I'm not going to heaven because I pray every day. I'm going to heaven as a simple, ordinary sinner saved by the grace of God because of what Christ did on that cross. You see, God gave him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Do you know Christ? It's his peace and his joy and his satisfaction in your heart. Yes, there's an enemy. The Apostle John warned that many false prophets have gone out into the world and many antichrists have arisen, forerunners of the antichrists that are yet to come. Now, immediately, the disciples said, Lord, don't you think we better go over and root out all this evil and root out all the tares? There's so much wickedness in the world. Don't you think we better give ourselves to that? Let's just start rooting it all out. Jesus said, no. Lest while you gather the tares, you might also root up the wheat with them. You know, there are people today in the church and out of the church that say that we ought to spend all of our time in moral and social reform. You could have moral reform and social reform, but it's not going to accomplish utopia and the kingdom of heaven till the hearts of people have been changed. And I'm convinced that we have a moral responsibility, we have a social responsibility, I'm convinced the gospel has something to say to every social issue. But I'm also convinced that the main task of evangelism is to win souls to Jesus Christ. There was an Associated Press story yesterday that went out all over America saying that all over America churches are beginning to turn back to preaching the gospel. I hope that's true. Thanks be unto God. Because where the church has failed to proclaim the gospel, the church has died. And where the church has failed to obey its Lord, it has suffered spiritual death as well. Now, one of the greatest questions asked me wherever I go, in fact, I write a little newspaper column that has 22 million circulation every day, six days a week. And one of the greatest questions I get is this. Is the world getting better or is it getting worse? What do you think? You know what this parable teaches us? This parable teaches us that the world is getting better and it's getting worse at the same time. That sounds like a contradiction. It sounds like a paradox. 
but it's not. Evil is getting worse, and good is getting better. You say, well, Billy, how in the world could that be? Well, let's look at evil a moment. A famous chemist who won the Nobel Prize a few years ago wrote a book called Must Destruction Be Our Destiny. Now, it's an interesting thing that Revelation 11:18 it says, they that destroy the earth. And this is the verb and the noun form of 1 Timothy 6, 5 that says men of corrupt minds. And a similar word is used throughout the New Testament to be lost, to destroy. And out of that same word, Revelation 9-11, comes Apollyon, the devil. And many things are being destroyed as we approach the end of the age. Ethical standards, moral standards, loyalty to the nation, freedom itself, respect for authority, respect for our parents, all are being destroyed. And Jesus predicted that as we approach the end of the age, that would happen. The permissiveness, more permissiveness today than perhaps we've seen at any time since the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Social injustice, the poor are getting poorer. Everybody was shouting and praising Colonel Nassau, and I suppose he did all he possibly could to help Egypt. But the income in Egypt per capita went down, 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 down while he was the president because the population was going up, up, up so fast. The same is true in India. The population is going so fast in India they cannot keep up with it. And so the per capita income is going down, down, down. The poor of the world are getting poorer, and the rich are getting richer. And it will not go on that way. And then worldwide lawlessness on a scale we've never known before. This lawlessness that we see in America is not located just in America. It's worldwide. It's everywhere. What's back of it? I'll tell you, it's the supernatural power of the devil. We are approaching the end of the age. I didn't say the end of the world. I didn't say the end of the human race. I did not say the end of the earth. The end of the age. And as we approach it, and we could be 500 years away, I do not know. The Bible does not tell us when Jesus is coming. The Bible says that he's going to come at a certain point when all the signs are, are going to converge at one point, and I think they're all converging right now at one point for the first time in history, but I cannot be sure because Jesus said don't speculate. Don't try to set a date. I only know that as we approach the end of the age, evil is going to increase, but also good is going to increase. Has there ever been a time when more people are being converted to Christ than today? Did you know that in Latin America, where in the past year, the church increased 15%? There are great revivals going on in Indonesia, in the Philippines, in Latin America, and all through Africa. And many people say that Africa will be a Christian continent by 2000 A.D. if the present trend continues. So all over the world, God is on the move. These great crusades and many works that are going on on campus today throughout America. You see on the television screen a lot of people parading around and yelling and screaming and killing and bombing. But what you don't see are other thousands of students that are 
are marching for Jesus Christ. Yes, good is getting better. Have you ever seen anything like it when a disaster takes place in the world, how many people from all over the world come to help? Like the disaster in Peru when they had the earthquake, or perhaps a typhoon sweeps into the Philippines and the whole world sends help. There's so much goodness in the world, so much evangelism. The work of the Lord is prospering. And let me tell you this, the kingdom of God is going to triumph. We're on the winning side. In the end, the devil is going to be bound. In the end, the devil will no longer move up and down the earth. And on this earth, there is going to be peace, lasting, permanent peace. And the prince and the king and the ruler will be the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Oh, I know there are times of discouragement. I know there are times when it seems like it's all lost and we sort of give up as Christians. You see, in your little spot where you work and where you live, in your block or your area, you may be the only true believer there. And you get discouraged. And you think that may be the case everywhere. That's one of the great things about a crusade like this, to see a great stadium like this, one of the greatest stadiums in America, almost filled with thousands of believers. And you say, well, boy, I'm not alone. Look at this. Isn't this marvelous to sing together, to pray together, to listen to the Word of God together? Then we come to the last part of this parable when he talks about the harvest. The Bible says the are going to intervene. And there will be the tares. What are the tares? They're the people that never really received Christ. What's going to happen to them? Psalm 1-4 says the ungodly are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The tares will be driven away into outer darkness, into judgment. You say, well, Billy, do you believe in hell? Yes, sir, the Bible teaches hell. We don't hear much preaching on it nowadays. I have gone out of style. I want to tell you, if I'm true to this book, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have to tell it like it is. I'm not going to pull any punches, and I'm not going to sugarcoat the pill. This Bible teaches there's a life after death, and there is a hell, and the tares are going to hell. That's the reason life is so important. That's the reason it's so important to make a decision now when the Spirit of God speaks to you because by the time you're 22 or 23 or 24 or 25, your heart may be harder and harder and harder, and it'll be harder to come to Christ. Come now. And then there's going to be the wheat. What's going to happen to the wheat? They're going to heaven. Yes, sir, there's a heaven. You say, Billy, do you believe there's a literal heaven? I believe there's a literal heaven. I believe the Bible teaches that. And I believe that the moment you die, if you're in Christ, you go into the presence of Christ, to be with him forever, and you reign with him in his kingdom, and you will live forever and ever and ever in paradise with him, more alive than you are now. You're not going to sit under a palm tree and have a pretty girl just wave a palm branch. Some people have got that idea of heaven. When you go to heaven, you're going to get to work. The Bible says we're going to work. We're going to serve him. He'll probably send us to other planets. It's going to be a marvelous world, a fantastic world. Technology is now giving us just a little idea, a little glimpse of what heaven could be. But in heaven, everything for your happiness will be there. 
what a wonderful world it's going to be. But let me tell you, you don't have to wait till you die to go to heaven. You can have heaven in your heart right now. You can have the peace and the joy and the happiness of heaven right now. You don't have to go on with those terrible loads that you've been carrying, those terrible habits that have got a grip on you. Get rid of them. Let Christ come and set you free. Let him give you his joy and his peace and forgiveness and know that you're going to heaven. I want to ask you today, which are you? Wheat or tares? Let me tell you what Jesus said. He said this to religious leaders that kept the Ten Commandments faithfully. He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He said, many in that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Haven't we done a lot of wonderful works for you? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. I tell you today, if there is a doubt in your heart that you know Christ, you come and settle it right now. You make sure. Make sure that you're ready for that hour that is yet to come. Make sure that you're ready for the end of the age. Make sure that you're ready for the harvest. This is your moment and your hour. And it may never come in Baton Rouge again. We may never see a sight like this again as long as we live in Louisiana, where so many people have prayed and worked and planned and where the soil is so ready and where God is speaking to your heart, come now. You say, well, Billy, what do I have to do? First, be willing to repent of your sin. What does that mean? That means that you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm willing to turn from my sin. That's repentance. I'm willing to change. Secondly, by faith you receive Christ. Notice I said faith. You may not understand it all intellectually. You don't have to understand it intellectually. All you have to know is you've sinned against God, that God loves you and is willing to forgive you because of Christ's death on the cross. That's all you have to know. And thirdly, you receive him personally, openly. When you get married, you get married in front of witnesses. Every person Jesus called in the New Testament, he called publicly for a purpose and a reason. He said, if you're not willing to openly acknowledge me before Men, I'll not acknowledge you before my Father, which is in heaven. You can't be a secret follower. You have to follow him openly. Are you ready to take your stand for Christ and say today, yes, I may be a member of the church. You may be Catholic, Protestant, Jewish. You may not have any church relationship. I don't know who you are or what you are, but you need Christ in your heart. You want his forgiveness. You want his love. You want to know that you're going to heaven. You want to know that you're ready for the end of the world. Because, you see, the end of the world for you may not come in an atomic war. The end of the world for you comes when you die. That'll be your end, just as much as if an atomic bomb had fallen, as far as you're concerned. So that may come at any time for you. You better come now while you have a chance. The Bible says, he that hardeneth his heart, being often reproved, shall suddenly be cut off, and that without remedy. Don't wait. Now is the accepted time.
This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey, Nick Cannon here. So, of course, we all know there's lots of talent in America. But unfortunately, there's something else we've got way too much of. Childhood hunger. 17 million kids struggle with it in this country. But here's the thing. This problem is entirely solvable. Seriously, we already produce more than enough healthy, nutritious food in this country to feed every single last one of those hungry kids. We just need a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks is out there every day gathering surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across the country. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Churchgoers, 
looking for the little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial. But the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. The blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to live. He has done the impossible time after time. He has, out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings. See 
this is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
morning to you. I'm not ashamed. Good morning to you, y'all. This is your early Sunday morning gospel program. One inspiration. Cranking it up. Cranking it all the way up. Get you ready for... Get you ready for Sunday school and morning worship this morning. All right. Here are the Dixie Hummingbirds. Thank you. 
got up on the wrong side of the bed. She snapped at her husband for singing. She snapped at her assistant over a memo. She snapped at her colleagues just because. What finally snapped Donna up out of her snit? A voice on the radio. As she was changing stations, she heard a line from the Psalms. This is the day the Lord has made. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Lady Lodge. Bad moods happen. What we do with them and what we do to others is our decision. However you woke up today, 
This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice in the high calling of our daily work. For more information, visit OurDailyWork.org. Wow, yeah, since the storm, it's been crazy busy for us. We got all kinds of office desks coming in. Uh, here's a here's a fancy one right here. It's missing a leg, but that's all right. Whatever. Washers and dryers from a laundromat. Oh, wow, and check this out. Another deep fryer. And I'm not sure what this doohickey is. Yeah, most businesses weren't ready for a storm like that, you know. But our work's really piling up here at Roberts and Son Salvage. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency. And 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Later, much later, we heard something. We didn't breathe for listening. Then footsteps on the back porch, creeping, then more confident. After all, nobody was home. A hand closed on the knob on the screen door to the kitchen and found it latched. We heard a little sawing sound as a file began to splice through the screen wire. Grandma reached down for something in her sewing basket. Through the darkness, I managed to notice Grandma's rocker was rocking and she wasn't in it. She was standing over me. Keep just behind me, she whispered. I followed her across the room into the kitchen. Now we were by the door and I heard the scuffle of heavy feet in there on the crinkly linoleum. Grandma turned back to me. Under my nose, she struck a wooden match with her thumbnail. She touched the match to something in her other hand. It sizzled. Then she leaned down and rolled it into the invisible kitchen. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book A Long Way from Chicago by Richard Peck. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Brand new banger. You're jamming with the hottest disc jockey. Disc jockey. Exclusive hot new mix. This DJ is breaking all the knobs off. Let's go, 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 go. Hot shit, hot shit. Here it comes.
and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? And are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. You too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How can I say thanks for the things? You've done for me things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love to me. The voices of a million angels could not express. ever hope to be
Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.